I see dead people. Remember that? <laughs> we were talking the other day, Little and I were driving down the road and we we're talking about famous movie quotes, quotes that people, you know, someone says it and you instantly know what that movie's from. Or maybe it's uh, someone quotes a movie and it's immediately followed with someone else quoting the next line. Nacho Libre is probably in my house. And I'd say also at Snowbird is probably the movie that gets quoted the most or that people know, you know, they, they know the most lines from. Another one is Tombstone. We, <laughs> The guys at Snowbird can just rattle off lines from Tombstone. I mean, left and right. Like, uh, it's, it's always a lot of fun when we get on kind of a, like a, a Tombstone kick. But the, the I See Dead People line, that comes from, I believe the movie was called The Sixth Sense. You remember that? Uh, I believe it had Bruce Willis in it, and uh, and it was about this kid who could literally see the dead, and the dead were like walking among us. And so uh, we we tend to be overly uh, we're fascinated by the supernatural. There, there's there's a a podcast that I listen to that is a a left leaning, very mainstream podcast, uh, and 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 it's. Uh, there's some good stuff on there. It's very interesting stuff. It, it's it's kind of a crime podcast, but it focuses on some a lot of times very interesting stories from the criminal side of society. But uh, recently there was uh, there was an episode about haunted houses, trying to sell a haunted house, and is it a crime to sell a house if you know it's haunted? And I thought these are the people that think we're crazy for believing in the resurrection of Jesus. We're crazy to believe that a dead person came back to life. And yet, they have a, one of their main episodes talking about uh, haunted houses. Is it a crime to sell a house if you know it's haunted? So when it comes to the supernatural, everyone, everyone uh, has, has an opinion. You know, Are UFOs real? Is Bigfoot real? Are ghosts real? And yet, when it comes to the Christian faith, people tend to push back hard against the idea that Jesus was bodily raised from the dead. There was a bodily resurrection. So I want to talk about that. I want to talk about it today and actually uh, want to talk about it in the next episode as well. We're going to have several episodes addressing this. We told you after the last episode uh, when we talked uh, with one of our, our guys from overseas about our brother Amir, we told you that we'd be following up with some missionary podcasts. We're not able to do that because of some stuff out of our control. He had to leave. We're gonna we'll circle back to that next time he's able to to come back and visit. We'll circle back to that. So we're gonna put that on hold for now. We said in the last episode we'd be bringing you some uh, some some missionary discussion. How, you know, specifically, what does it look like for missionaries to prepare during the COVID uh, shutdown, and what can you do right now or uh, you know what 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 is our responsibility when it comes to missions and i do look forward to bringing that back and i'll probably do it in a round table discussion maybe even with some of the snowbird pastors but but for now we're going to go into a new direction i want to do a couple of episodes talking about the resurrection so today i just want to lay a framework a, a baseline for uh our belief in the resurrection of jesus so proof for the resurrection so uh, i hope you enjoy this i hope it's very challenging and i hope it's encouraging i hope it's helpful Welcome to No Sanity Required, from the ministry of Snowbird Wilderness Outfitters, a podcast about the Bible, culture, and stories from around the globe. 
So there's a there. It's it's no secret anybody that knows me knows that I love to listen to the apologist Ravi Zacharias. Ravi went to be with the Lord this year, but he's been super influential in my life. I, I can think back to my early twenties when I was a new Christian, and I'm really grateful for the fact that Ravi's uh, his his radio program came on every day at lunchtime, and so when I would be on my lunch break. I would listen to Robbie Zacharias. Or if I was in the truck and I was driving, because um, I, I worked out of my truck, uh, I would listen to Robbie Zacharias. And it's very instrumental in in helping me as a young Christian develop sort of a, an understanding of the need to defend the faith, uh, like like an apologetic for the faith that I that I have in Christ. So this the the idea that I need to have a defense. Uh, I want to I want to first before we get into the initial proof for the resurrection of Jesus. I want to get into why it is we need to have a defense. And I think that a lot of times the idea of a defense, we think of that as I need to be able to argue or debate for the existence of Jesus or the proof of the resurrection. I need to win a debate. And I think the main reason for most of us in having a defense for what we believe is first and foremost, so that our faith remains strong. Because we're gonna have to, everyone's gonna have to deal with doubt. You're gonna have to contend with your faith being questioned. You're gonna have people that that question, "Do you really believe in the bodily resurrection of someone from the dead?" You know, I want to be able to defend that. So, do I believe in something that is supernatural? Do I believe in something that is supernatural, and but has evidence that it actually happened, or do I just believe because someone told me? So having a defense for the faith is critical. I think it's important that we're able to defend what we believe realistically and because we live by faith. The scripture teaches that we live by faith, we walk by faith, we don't walk by sight, but I need to be able to give a defense. And so to, to strengthen my faith and to stand firm in the, in the face of doubt, that's important uh, for me to, to be able to defend my faith because of that. And then the other thing is, yeah, there are going to be times where I'm talking to somebody who is a true seeker, someone who's searching, someone who's looking for answers. They have questions, and they, they really want answers to these questions. And I have an opportunity to share with them answers to those questions that, give, that, that in turn, then those answers give them hope. And, and, and there are times where someone comes to faith because of that. Now, if, if you go into an argument with somebody, and you're arguing for Christianity, and they're arguing for an, an atheistic worldview or, or, or from a, you know, the standpoint of Darwinian evolution or whatever, then, and you just want to butt heads and argue, nobody's probably going to come out winning that it's, it's more or less, uh, that, that just becomes combative. But if someone's seeking and searching and desiring, you know, Jesus told Pilate, anyone who's on the side of truth is going to listen to me. And then Jesus said, I'm the way and the truth in the life. And so if we're seeking truth, we're going to find Christ. And so I want to I want to just lay out what I believe are are the strongest evidences for the the resurrection of Jesus. Ravi Zacharias also tells the story of he's in a conversation with a Hindu priest, and this Hindu priest says uh, he says, you know, you you guys, you Christians, you're the only people that believe in uh, in a physical resurrection from the dead. You believe that. You know that that your savior, your Messiah, was literally raised from the dead, and then you're the only people that believe in a supernatural being, a spiritual being that inhabits and possesses you. 
And, and that's true. That comes from the fact that we believe Jesus raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. We also believe that for every Christian, the Spirit of God seals us and indwells us. God gives us a new mind, a new heart, and his Spirit lives and dwells inside of us. And so the two, the two evidences that I want to point to in this episode are, first, the eyewitness accounts, the eyewitness accounts, and second, the evidence of the Holy Spirit living in those early eyewitness Christ followers. So let's just break that down. Let's talk about it. So the first, first is the eyewitness accounts in uh, the book of Acts, uh, the book of Acts, Acts chapter 1. It says this. This is uh, Acts chapter 1, verse 6. So, and this is, uh, this is after Jesus' resurrection. Um, actually, let's begin in verse 1, Acts 1, one. In this book, uh, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. So, so Jesus appears to the disciples, the early believers, after his resurrection, so Jesus is murdered on the cross. He's laid in a tomb. And then over the next six weeks, he continually not only appears, you've got these sightings that you can read about in different uh, places in the Gospels. You've got these sightings, and then here in Acts 1. But not just sightings, but Jesus does things in their presence to prove to them that it's really him. Uh, at one point, he eats. At another point, there's physical touch. At another point, um, he he's questioned and he answers questions and he reveals certain truths to people. And so he gives them evidence, and it says, by many proofs. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs. So for six weeks, he appears to them and he talks about what God's doing. And it says, while staying with them, this is the disciples, the early disciples. He ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So he says, he's, he's there with them, and he says, stay here. You're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to send the, my spirit. Romans chapter 8 says, this is the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead would come and live and dwell inside of the believers. And we know that that happens several weeks later at Pentecost. So we know that this eventually happens. Verse 6, so when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. While they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him going to heaven. So let's, let's break this down for a second. Uh, you've got Jesus speaking to the disciples here in person, and he tells them they're going to receive power. He says, you're going to have this power that comes on you, and the, the way this power is going to come on you is that the Holy Spirit is going to make you my witnesses. That's, that's a key phrase in, in this passage that is defending the proof of the resurrection. Jesus tells the disciples, the Holy Spirit will indwell you. Okay, so there's the supernatural indwelling. 
We're possessed by the Spirit of God. That The Holy Spirit will come on you, and then you will be my witnesses. You will give testimony. Now, why is this important? Well, it's important because uh, before Jesus goes to the cross, what did the disciples do? Think about it. That's right. They ran away. They ran. They hid. They were scared. Peter denied Jesus. Remember that? Three different times in one night. He swore an oath against Jesus. He swore that he didn't know Jesus. So they were so freaked out on the night that Jesus was was being murdered that they abandoned him, okay? So later, what happens with these disciples is after witnessing the resurrection and seeing Jesus post-resurrection, they go on and become very bold for the gospel. They proclaim the gospel in the face of persecution. Uh, one of the one of the first books I read as a Christian was Fox's Book of Martyrs. Many of you are probably familiar with that, many of our listeners. Fox's Book of Martyrs is a book that walks through what is believed to have happened with each of the surviving 11 apostles. And essentially, they were all martyred. Uh, and, and some of them died brutal deaths. Like, for instance, Peter is martyred even though on the night of Jesus' arrest, he fled. He ran away. He wouldn't even hang around to... To, to be there with Jesus in his in his the hour of his death. And so you've got something that happens. Okay, think about this. Just let's just take Peter. Between the night that Jesus is arrested and then the next day he's killed and Peter's own death, something happens that makes him go from rejecting that he even knows Jesus to being willing to die for him. And in the middle, Jesus died. So, so let's say Jesus died. So, so let's, let's imagine for a minute the resurrection did not occur, that Jesus stayed, he remained dead, that somewhere in the ground, just like with every other religious world leader who has died, that Jesus remained dead. Let's just, I know that's for, for those of us who follow Jesus, that it almost makes you cringe to play this game, okay? But just let's, let's think this what if out. Okay, so... Peter is there. Jesus is arrested. Peter denies that he knows Jesus. I don't know him. I don't know him. Don't don't implicate me. Don't lump me in with this guy. You're not killing me. I'm not going to the electric chair. You know, I'm not going to hang. I'm not going to be crucified on a Roman cross, whatever. I'm not dying for my association with this man. Okay. Now, Jesus dies that next day and stays dead. What does Peter do? He goes back fishing, probably. He probably goes back to the family business. Uh, he probably he probably thinks, man, that was a crazy ride. And then he, he he either spends the rest of his life telling the stories about those three years that he that he hung out with the Galilean peasant who claimed to be the Messiah. Uh, and he tells he tells stories like like for instance, have you ever heard the the eyewitness or, or like the testimonies and the stories of someone who came out of a cult? I recently listened to a guy be interviewed who had been at Waco with David Koresh. It's fascinating listening to this guy. Well, what snapped this guy out of it was <laughs> Koresh died, right? He, he ended up not being who he said he was. Um, there, there are a lot of people who have come out of the, the Church of Scientology, and they have these crazy stories about what it's like to live in a cult. And there are, there are a lot of eyewitness uh, stories and accounts and testimonies of people that have come out of cults. And they, and they talk about how messed up it was to live there, but finally they got free from it. If Jesus stays dead, I think Peter becomes a guy who gets interviewed 
in these documentaries and these stories about what it was like to follow this would be Messiah who eventually died because he wanted to be king. Okay. And then that's the end of the story. So what really happens though is Peter denies that he knows Jesus, flees, runs away, doesn't seem to get on board with, with this whole crucifixion thing. But then after the resurrection, his life is changed. In fact, in the book of Acts, Peter's, Peter's boldly preaching in the city of Jerusalem where persecution breaks out. Peter's thrown in jail. Peter's beaten. At one point, Peter says, you can beat me all you want to, but I know what I saw. And what I saw was the, the man that you crucified, that you nailed to a cross, that, that under the, the, the authority of Roman power, he was executed before our very eyes. I know, as well as many of you know, that he is no longer dead. He rose from the dead. And that resurrection is what changed Peter. It's often been said that, like, you'll hear people say, oh, man, a lot of people die for, for their, what they believe. You know, people, like, I'll hear this argument a lot where you say, well, the disciples were all willing to die uh, for their tes- the testimony that Jesus is Lord because they saw him raised from the dead. And then someone will say, well, yeah, but much of Islam, for instance, Many people in the Islamic faith have have died willingly as martyrs because they believe, um, or the the Japanese kamikazes who flew their planes, you know, suicide missions in their planes. They believed that they were serving the emperor, right? But in those two situations, one you had Muhammad, who was the like the founder of the Islamic faith, the modern Islamic faith. He's dead. But there's a belief system that provides for him to be dead and remain physically dead. Like, like there's, no, there's no claim to resurrection. So he died, and it is what it is, and now he's in paradise. Okay, so that's their belief system. So they've, 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 they at least are consistent with their belief system that, yeah, we're willing to die for this belief system because we believe we'll go be with Muhammad and Allah in paradise. Okay, so that's their belief system so they can be consistent. Likewise, uh, the the Japanese kamikaze pilots were were dying for their emperor in a, in in some sense religious, in some sense patriotic or whatever. So, but the 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 difference is, if the disciples saw Jesus die, and he remained dead, then they have to reject him as a liar because he promised them they're going to kill me, and in three days I will take my life back up. I'll come back to life. So so they would have walked away from that. Like, you're not going to die for something that you know is a lie. You have to believe in it to die for it. So the Islamic radical who dies for his faith believes with all of his heart. Well, the disciple who saw Jesus killed after claiming that he would rise from the dead, if he doesn't rise from the dead, they're, they're, then they know it was a lie. They know it was a fluke. And so the fact that these men were willing to die, Peter and the other disciples were willing to die, that's, that's such strong evidence. Now, here's another, here's another thing that I think is strong evidence based on eyewitness accounts to the resurrection. Uh, it says also um, there in Acts chapter 1, uh, it says that, let me see, um, Let's see. Okay, then they returned to Jerusalem from the Mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. And when they had entered, they went up to the upper room uh, where they were staying. And then it lists all of the disciples who were there. Then it says this. Then it says this. All these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. Okay, so we've got five brothers that we know Jesus had. I think it's five. 
but at least plural, multiple of these brothers of Jesus were here in the upper room, eyewitnesses to the resurrection. Why is that significant? Well, because, so here's the second part. The, the disciples heard Jesus claim that he was going to lay his life down and take it up in three days. They saw him do it. It convinced them that he was who he says he was. The brothers, there are two encounters with Jesus' brothers prior prior crucifixion. One is they try to get him to be quiet and go home because he's embarrassing himself. They're like, oh, man, this is our brother, and he's claiming to be God. We need to get him out of the public. We we care about him enough. Let's not let him make a fool of himself. Then later, they're incensed, or in another situation, they're incensed, they're angry at him. They they're like, you're claiming to be God. Who do you think you are? You're a brother from Nazareth, you know. So so he's got this sibling rivalry thing going on. You know, the, those brothers were not his biggest fans when he started claiming to be the Messiah. And now here, after the resurrection, his mother and his brothers are there, and so. What would have changed them? What would have changed them to? Con- what would make you believe that your brother is God in the flesh? Well, the crucifixion under the hands of Roman rule was brutal. It was an ugly death, and it was a sure death. And when they killed you, they killed you good. And he's buried under, uh, you know, under a, behind a stone. It's basically really difficult to move. And then he's raised from. He's resurrected. They see him resurrected. They see their brother in the flesh, incarnate, resurrected. And so these eyewitness accounts lend such credibility because Jesus' own brothers would be willing to die for his claim as Messiah when earlier they weren't even willing to, to claim it themselves. So strong proofs for the, for the resurrection are the eyewitness accounts and the change that took place in these men's lives. And then second, Jesus promised them they would be witnesses and the Holy Spirit would empower them to be witnesses and to do great things for the gospel and to build the kingdom, and every one of them did it. These men became preachers and missionaries and church planners, and the book, The Acts of the Apostles, is is aptly named. It is the story of these men and their ministries. In fact, some of their deaths are even recorded. These men who were eyewitnesses to the resurrection, who went on and did powerful things to build the church of Jesus Christ. If Jesus was not raised from the dead, this would not have happened. They would have recognized him as a false prophet, a fake and they would have walked away. But instead, their faith was renewed and invigorated, though they rejected him before his death. After his death, they profess him as Lord, and they worship him as Messiah. Strong proof for the, uh, for the resurrection, and the kind of proof that should strengthen our faith, and that should, should help us understand the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, that empowered the early believers to build churches and be missionary disciples and, and church planners, and to do wonderful things in the name of Jesus and for the building of the kingdom. That spirit lives inside of me and lives inside of you if you're a child of God and will give us what we need for life and godliness. And and that is wonderful news. That's such wonderful news that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of us. So hope that's an encouragement to you. Hope it strengthens your faith. The resurrection has strong evidence from within the eyewitness accounts of the apostles and the early church, and we can rest on that, and we can do so assuredly. Thanks for joining and listening, and I look forward to continuing this conversation in the next episode. We'll see you then. 
Thanks for listening to No Sanity Required. Please take a moment to subscribe and leave a rating. It really helps. Visit us at SWOutfitters.com to see all of our programming and resources. And we'll see you next week on No Sanity Required.